0: Hey, sisters. Christy here from Book Club Sisterhood. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. This is where we share our weekly book discussions with you so you can listen while multitasking or enjoying your favorite drink and reading along with us. I hope you enjoy this discussion. Let's grow. Hey, sisters. I'm Christy, co-founding sister at Book Club Sisterhood. Welcome to week two of Do You Love Me? This can be taken many different ways. I was thinking, you know, if somebody saw me reading this book, like what would they think if it was like a romantic novel or (laughs) like what kind of love are we talking about? But we are definitely talking about God's agape love for us and how we can show agape love or unconditional love to others. So we're going to talk about chapters four through seven tonight. Um, So let's go. I'm not going to sing, but I am going to mention a song that it reminded me of, (laughs) but I promise I won't sing. All right, chapter four is called What Do I Stand to Gain? So on page 55, he refers to Luke, chapter six, verses 27 through 36. And I'll highlight some of this. It says, But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you for even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back but love your enemies do good and lend hoping for nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high for he is kind to the unthankful and evil therefore be merciful just as your father also was merciful um so that's we've talked about before you know that's what agape love is is loving without any expect for anything to come back so when he says um you know love your enemies do good and lend hoping for nothing in return that's a good picture of agape love um you know god calls us to rise above all the noise of the world to do better to be better and that's what it's saying here like even sinners love each other you know even sinners um do good to other people even sinners you know let people borrow money but they expect it back so go above and beyond that you know rise above the noise of the world be be better do better um we're called to give those around us an example of Jesus on page 55 he says love like Jesus love first and that's what reminded me of a song that's called Revolutionary by Josh, Josh Wilson. And he says in the, in the, um, the bridge, he says, what would Jesus do? He would love first. And I think that's the answer every time. If you ever have a situation in your life where you have to stop and be like, okay, what would Jesus do in this situation? Because yelling at that person is definitely not what Jesus would do. So what would Jesus do? He would love first. That's, that's the answer. He says, you know, love is above all if you if you don't have love you have nothing um so the lyrics i'm actually referring to in the song revolutionary by josh josh it's hard to say his name josh wilson (laughs) it says i'm turning the tv down drowning their voices out because I believe that you and me can find some common ground. It's really hard not to sing that because I love it, the song so much and I've listened to it so many times that I could, like, literally just like, I can hear the beat in my head right now and I could totally start singing. Um, but the point is that the world is loud and God is quiet. You know, He wants you to lean in and hear His still small voice. And that's, I think that's why that song resonates with me so much, is because it's like, I know you're not like me, but let's just get down to the basics. Like we could still love each other. It doesn't matter what you've gone through, what I've gone through. We're still both human and we can still love each other. Um, Especially with that agape love that God talks about, that God gives us. On pages 56 and 57, he talks about giving away pieces of memorabilia. And I thought this was a really beautiful story um he had a couple of friends that he had a falling out with and God kind of placed it on his heart to give away some memorabilia and he god told him to do it in secret he God a lot of times tells us to do things in secret like there's places in the bible where it says to pray in secret um you know to give in secret to fast in secret it's there's something to be said about not getting praise for what you're doing um and I know I share pretty often things that I do in here and it's not to get praise. It's just give it, trying to give examples of things that I've done that God has blessed me through. So if you ever hear me talk about something that I've done, I'm not trying to like lift myself up because it's definitely not the situation. <clears throat> um, but, you know, God told him to give these gifts away in secret. So at 2 a.m., he pulled up to his old friend's houses and just dropped it off on their porch and the hardest part for me would be not knowing if they received it like what if somebody stole it off their porch or maybe their wife went out to get it and be like what's this and then just threw it in the trash you know because it didn't have anything labeled on it i don't know but not knowing where it came from you know it might be something that maybe they threw away but he does say that later in in life he um, reconciled with those friends and he was able to go spend time with them and they had them displayed in their houses. So they did receive the gift. um, and he still didn't tell his friends about it. So it's really, there's something beautiful and peaceful inside yourself when you're able to give to someone else and not have them know who you are or what it was for and not expect anything in return. Um, if you've ever given anything to a homeless person, like there's no way they can return that to you you know, if you give them a sandwich, like you don't expect to be like, okay, pay me five bucks next time I see you. That's, that's not the way, you know what I mean? But it just, it just does give you a sense of feeling good inside. And that's, um, you know, that's why we do it. Right. Um, so just, I I could see the other side too, though, because being humble and doing something in secret is hard (laughs) because our, our flesh does want that that lifting up that praise that comes after it. Right. Um, I was reminded of something that I did and I, I didn't do it for the praise she gave me or the thank you she gave me for it, but, um, I did it because I love her. And that was the only reason, but she did, uh, tell me that that really blessed her yesterday. So, um, I I appreciate hearing that because I know that, you know, what I'm doing makes a difference. And it is, it is nice to know that you're touching someone's life. Um, so I wasn't expecting that at all. <laughs> she just kind of threw it on me. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't know that that made, I, I text her. That's all I did. I text her to check on her and, um, you know, that really meant something to her. And I'm glad because that's, that was, that was what I wanted is to see what I could do to help her. So, um, you know, our, our flesh also like, we just want to take credit for the things that we do and, we don't need to, because God wants to have the glory and all that we do, because he gave us our gifts. He gave us our abilities to do things. Um, so he wants to get the glory. And that's, that's my only intention ever of sharing anything that I do for anybody else is to give him the glory and just tell you how he's blessed me through those things, um, or how you can bless others through doing similar things. Um, he quotes Luke six, 37 through 49. And in the last few verses of this passage, Jesus talks about, um, men while they're, while they build houses, one, they build on the rock or a solid foundation and the other one on the sand. Um, and of course God wants us to build our house on a rock and the rock is the Bible and the word, um, and God. So on page 59, he says things when you build your house on the strong foundation, Things are solid and will stand all the winds and waves, the storms of life. Now, it doesn't say that the wind and storms won't come because a lot of people think that when you become a Christian, oh, life's all happy and good. We're just, you know, good to go. But that's not true. We still live on earth. We still live in a broken world. And we're still going to have challenges and storms that come our way. Um, But when we rely on him and when we build ourselves on him, we'll be able to stand the winds and we'll be able to stand firm in our foundation. Um, We'll be able to stand on his word and rely on God to keep us steady. So that's what we gain. You know, we, we, I, I like the question, the title of this chapter, what do we stand to gain? Well, you gain God's love. I mean, you already have that. So when you pour that into others, you, you do get that back. Um, is it, I can't think of her name, Mother Teresa, geez. Um, is, is she the one that said there's no, no such thing as an altruistic gift? Because altruistic means you get nothing in return. And when you give someone something that they desperately need or want or whatever, you get a reward of getting either a thank you or some kind of show of appreciation or just a good warm feeling in your heart you still get something back from that because you feel good about doing that um so that's what you stand to gain you stand to gain a closer relationship with god is really what it is all right chapter five the fruitful love tree so we had a love triangle now we have a love tree it's getting uh interesting um the fruit of the spirit which we talked about several months ago we talked about kind of in depth what all of those are if you want to go look at some of the things we discussed you can look in the facebook group or we also have an instagram page book club sisterhood um where all of those are posted um so we chatted about that a little bit um i like the point that he makes on page 66 he says the fruit of the spirit is only beneficial when it is put into practice so last february we read a book called love does and that we went into, you know, love is an action. It's not just a word. Um, love is a verb. So we have to do something to show the love. Um, so, you know, on page 66, he's, he's talking about like, what good is patience or kindness without someone to direct it toward? Uh, on 66 and 67, he quotes John 15, 1 through 17. And that's where Jesus compares himself to the vine and we are the branches. So one vital thing We need to endure, which is painful and not comfortable, is pruning. And he talks about that on 67 and 68. Um, and on 68, he says at the top, if we do not deal with disease, diseased areas of our life, then God will have to. So if we don't get rid of those dead parts of our branch, then God's going to take care of it. Either way it's pruning, and either way it's not comfortable. But sometimes you just have to get those negative dead things out of your life that's a good way um i think fasting is a good way of pruning you take time away from whatever it is that's pulling your attention away from god Um, but it's never comfortable right but it's necessary we have to get rid of the worldly things that are in our life in order to draw closer to god sorry so we also can't pour from an empty cup So if we're dead on the ends, you know, and we're not getting poured into, we don't have lifeblood flowing into us, then we are going to die off. So we have to fill up our cup with the Holy spirit. We need to be attached to the vine so that we can get the things we need, like the energy and the water and things in poured into us so that we can bear fruit, which is what we'll talk about in a minute. Um, At the bottom of sixty-eight. He says, it is vital you remain in God's word and continue to receive life from his spirit. So we have to stay healthy ourselves so that we can love others. You can't, like I said, you can't pour from an empty cup, right? We know all of these, uh, these little sayings, but they're true. If if my cup runs empty, I'm going to be thirsty and I'm not going to be able to fulfill myself and hydrate myself. Um, on 69 shelly at least you can hear us yet um on page he says without god there to keep us going our love grows cold so he says basically like if we disconnect ourselves from the life source or the vine we'll surely wither away hi shelly hi. You can hear us now <laughs> how you doing i'm doing all right got a, headache. got a headache i can tell i can tell too it's dark in there and I will pray you for you like nice. Yeah. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're done being hacked. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're on page 69, chapter five. Um, and we're talking about abiding. And he says, without God there to keep us going, our love grows cold. You know, if we disconnect from our life source, we will surely wither away. And that's true, you know. I mean, if you cut off a branch from a tree and it falls to the ground, what is it going to do? it's going to die it's no longer going to grow leaves it's not going to bear fruit it's going to die so abiding um it means to obey or follow so we have to do you know the branch has to do what the vine tells it to do right it tells it to grow and bear fruit so we have to do what the vine tells us to do in order to um produce the fruit so page 70 he says if we aren't connected to him We'll pour ourselves out and have nothing refilling us, which is what we said a few moments ago. You can't pour from an empty cup. If you don't have anything inside of you, you can't pour into the fruit to give to others. Um, You know, we can only receive agape through Jesus and we can't give agape if we are severed from our source. Uh, The last sentence on page 70 into 71, we're talking about being fruitful. Now we freely receive and we are meant to freely give. So we are the conduit. We're the middle guy, right? There's Jesus. We're attached to him. We're the branch. He's the vine. And we produce fruit. So we don't produce this fruit to keep it for ourselves, right? Because what if an apple tree produced apples and it just hung on to the apples? That's not going to help anybody. Someone has to come take the apple. Someone has to come. Um, We talked about Eve last night in our our small group. So she took the apple, but in this case, someone needs to take the apple. Let's do oranges. How about oranges <laughs> an example? It doesn't matter. Whatever the fruit that's being produced, someone needs to take it to have someone to allow someone to benefit from it. Um, our fruit sustains us so that we can pour into others. Um, we have to give freely of our fruit because we have faith. And on page 71, he talks about the fruit of faith he says faith that god will supply our needs according to the unending richness of his love towards us so we will never lack for anything because we have faith that god's going to provide for us so when we bear fruit to give to others we're relying on god to refill what we've given out um john 15:7 says if ye abide in me and my words abide in you ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done to, unto you. This is the King James Version. So there's a lot of ye's and and. but I just liked the wording of that better. If ye abide in me, which we just talked about, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will. So you can ask for whatever you want and it shall be given to you. Psalm 3410 also says along these lines, even strong young lions sometimes go hungry But those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. When you trust in God, when you have faith that he's going to provide for you, you're going to lack for nothing. Um, So we just need to rely on him and understand that to be fruitful, we have to be attached to the provider. Um, All right. Chapter six, marriage. It's an example of love and you don't have to be married to understand, um, You know, Jesus is called the bridegroom in the Bible, and we are the bride. So, our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with God is mirrored by earthly marriage. So, that's what he talks about here. It's an example of love. On page 79, he quotes Ephesians 5 25 through 33. In verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So, marriage is compared to Christ's love of the church on page 80 he says a marriage is not built on the fear of rejection or failure but on the security of acceptance and i i really i kept reading that over and over and i wanted to inject a word in there a healthy marriage is not built on fear of rejection or failure but on the security of acceptance i get his point here but i think the point also needs to be made that a healthy marriage is going to look like this right? Because there's a lot of unhealthy marriages where there's abuse, there's hurt, there's pain, and God never asked anybody to take abuse from someone. So I, I definitely think that that sentence needs the word healthy in there because you don't want to misconstrue the message. If you're on in an unhealthy marriage where you're getting abused or hurt or your family's at risk or whatever the case may be, that's not an example of Jesus loving us and us being his bride. Okay. Very, very different. So a healthy marriage <laughs> is all of these things. But what he's saying is that, you know, he always told his wife, if you ever cheat on me, then we're over. And that's injecting the fear of rejection or failure. Like, oh my gosh, if I just fail once, he's going to leave and it's going to be over. He doesn't, you know, he stopped saying that because he didn't want to, you know, invoke fear in her. Instead he once he started telling her like, you're stuck with me basically. (laughs) I like to tell my husband like, you're stuck with me. Um, we've been married almost 10 years and this is the longest time I've ever been in anything other than, you know, school, but I haven't held a job for more than 10 years. So not that I, I just get bored easily. So I tend to bounce from thing to thing. I've been a nurse for 16 years and I've always had a job as a nurse for the last 16 years, but I've just switched areas of being a nurse. Anyway, um so basically i told my husband like you're stuck with me if you've held on to me for this 10 years you must be okay because it's been a long time but um yes so uh with that comparison between marriage between husband and wife and christ and the church we can understand that since god will never leave us or forsake us So the same goes for a healthy relationship is what he's saying, a healthy marriage. Um, There shouldn't be any stipulations on your, on your relationship. Um, Like I said, sometimes it's just so unhealthy that it can't be salvaged. And God needs to also be in that. Like he needs to be the one guiding you out of that relationship. And I hope that you can still rely on God in that situation. Um, So I also... I like um, on page 83, he mentions the disciples and his relationship with them. And he does point out that the disciples were just regular guys, which I appreciate because I'm just a regular person. I don't feel like I'm superior or super educated or super experienced at anything really. And God still uses me. So to see that his core 12 people were fishermen and tax collectors and regular Joes just trying to get their work done, that, that gives me, that's why I love studying the people of the Bible so much because I can see their failures. I can see their flaws because I have tons of those. I'm full of failure and flaws, but God can still use me and that's the beauty of it. So I like that he points that out. And on page 83, he says, if you love him as best you can, which means to agape the ones who can do nothing for you, that love is an offering that pleases the holy God of the universe more than dramatic prophecies and showy acts of faith. So the Pharisees were all show, right? But they had very little love, especially for people that they felt were lower than them. Um, he, they actually give Jesus a hard time for being at a table surrounded by people that were, in, in the Pharisees' eyes, less than You know, they weren't worthy of the God of the universe to sit around a table with them. Um, But we definitely see that Jesus did not feel that way at all. Um, That's why it's so important to read the gospels and read about the life of Jesus so that we can draw from that and see how we should live our lives because we need to do what Jesus did. We need to surround ourselves with people that, you know, religious people would call less than because they're not we're just as flawed as anybody else so why would we put ourselves above anybody else we're all in the same boat we're all just trying to get to heaven right and we're trying to maybe drag some people along with us (laughs) as we go um drag willingly of course but um on the bottom of 83 he says love shared is what is eternal so we don't get to take our stuff with us when we leave the earth um, we don't get to keep our houses and our cars. That's not, he goes into, you know, when people are on their deathbed, what they're asking for is not to see their car. One last time they're asking to see their son or their daughter or their wife or their long lost cousin or whomever when they're on their deathbed, they're not looking to see, Oh, Hey, can you go get that vase for me? And that was really expensive. Let me see that one more time. That's, that's the whole point. Like love in a relationship with other people. That's the most important thing. Um, I love the famous quote by Maya Angelou, people will forget what you say or did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And that's my friend last night that mentioned how I text her and it really blessed her. She, she remembers how that made her feel. I don't remember what I text her. I'm not sure she remembers exactly what I text her, but the fact that I reached out and I made a point to show her that I loved her and that she remembers. They're going to remember you, not the stuff you did for them. So I I actually didn't, I offered to get her stuff and she said she was fine. So I didn't actually do anything for her, but it still left an impression because I, I reached out as a friend. I saw her as a person and that she remembered. And, and that's how we are too. Like, I remember how someone cared about me. I don't necessarily remember where we were or what was going on or how much dinner was that night when they bought me dinner. But I remember the feeling I had when I was with them um he refers to matthew 25 31 through 46 when jesus tells his disciples that when they serve others they are serving him um this is on i don't know what page that was on page 84 84 okay um <clears throat> so jesus explains further that when we take care of the least of these which the pharisees say are less than We're caring for Jesus because that's agape love, right? Jesus gives us agape love and we don't have, like we talked about last week, we're not able to show God agape love because we didn't love him first. We don't, you know, come to him first and forever and not turn our back on him because we're human and we're flawed. So we can't show directly we can't show God agape directly. So how we show him agape love is to love on others. Um, so that's, you know, it's kind of coming full circle, right? It's a perfect example of what agape love is because he says in Matthew 25, that when you loved others, you were showing me love, um, on page 84. He says toward the bottom it says my love for you isn't because of what you do it's based on what God has already done. We give because Jesus gave it all. We can't possibly give as much as he gave to us. He gave us his only son to die on a cross for for our sins while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. I, I love that verse because that that shows me even when I wasn't following him even when I was a sinner he still felt that I was important enough to die for. And that's just so mind blowing that someone cares about me that much. Um, because I don't deserve it. None of us deserve it, but that's the agape love. He pours it out unconditionally and without failure. He is always there. He always, you know, he's never going to leave us or forsake us. Hebrews 13, five. Um, cause we didn't, harp on that enough last year we're going to we're going to keep going cuz so it's a good verse. Um so on page 85 through 87 he talks about a couple very different love stories. So both of these are relationships between a couple. So the first love story is found in the book of Hosea. Um Hosea who was called by God to marry Gomer and Gomer was a harlot. So God told Hosea you need to marry this prostitute. And he did. He was faithful in that Gomer left Hosea. They had, okay, so Gomer and Hosea had children and then Gomer left Hosea and committed adultery with another man. And then Hosea actually had to pay to get his wife back. (laughs) But I think that's such a beautiful mirror of what God did for us because we strayed, right? We're sinners, we strayed and he paid the ultimate price to win us back. So that's a beautiful mirror of what God did for us. The next example he gives is, An example of how god loved israel um sorry this is still hosea and gomer i skipped ahead of my notes (laughs) hosea had to pay the man that gomer was having an affair with to get his wife back um so this is a great example of how god loved israel he was willing to pay the ultimate price to get israel back and he paid the ultimate price to get us back as well um the second relationship that he refers to is in the song of solomon chapter three When it says her love goes missing and she searches everywhere to find him. Um, You know, we are also called to leave everything and search for God. The disciples left everything to follow Jesus. And we're called to do the same. On page 87, it says, how do we love God? Excuse me. We choose to spend time reading God's word, praying, listening to the Holy Spirit, and loving the people around us with great joy. Doing these things help us to know God. We can't just know about him. We have to know, I'm sorry, we have to have that relationship, that marriage with him. We have to be able to talk to him personally and pray privately and have a conversation, even if it's a hard conversation. Um, I always like to think of praying as like God sitting right next to me and we're just having a conversation like with a friend. I, I like to pray when I'm alone in my car. And then I can pretend like he's sitting next to me in the car and we're just having a nice little chat. I don't often hear his side of the chat, but I know that he's hearing mine. And I know that he's right there with me because when you read the word, you know, that Hebrews 13, five says that he's never going to leave you or forsake you. And that, you know, the Bible says you can come to him and he's always going to be there for you. So that's, what that looks like a marriage with him is having a personal relationship with him you can't just know like oh yeah i know jesus exists but do you know him you can't just know about him you have to know him um and that's how we our relationship with jesus is like a marriage all right chapter seven god is love are you (laughs) um page on page 95 he refers to matthew 25 again um This time he quotes verses 35, 34 and 35, sorry, Matthew 25 verses 34 and 35. So on page 95, I'm going to read that. Then the King will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was a prisoner and you came to me Then on page 95 down below, it says, pay attention to the people around me. It says, um, how do we go about living this way? You have to pay attention to what's going on around you focus on others and be willing to act on their behalf. Like we said, love is a verb to love. Someone is to take action and make their hurt or suffering a little less, uh, I think that's why God placed hospitality on my heart. Um, I'm very passionate about it. Um, I I have been the needy person that needed a meal provided to my family, and I know how much it matters. I know how much was taken off my plate when Johnny was in the hospital. I know how much relief I had when I knew that my kids were fed that night. I didn't have to come up with something for them to eat. I didn't have to depend on someone in my family that was already taking care of them. I didn't have to also depend on them to make this big dinner for my family. I knew that because a pastor at my church delivered a meal to my house, my kids were okay. I could then focus my attention on my husband and be in the hospital and be present with him because I wasn't distracted and pulled in two different directions. And that's... I think that's why I'm so passionate about it is because I've been in that place. I know how help, how helpful it is and I know how much it's needed. So when our church comes together, I absolutely love our hospitality team. They are amazing. They just come around a family in our church and just love on them. It, and it's not just like, I'm going to go buy a little Caesar's pizza and have it delivered. It's like you get a salad and a meal and dessert and like, They go all out and they're not required to do that. They just required to deliver a meal. So if they want to order little Caesars, it's fine, whatever. I mean, I'm not judging anybody that does that, but just to see that someone has a hole that needs to be filled. Like we had a family that had a baby this week and that's such a joyous occasion, but having a newborn in your house totally flips the world upside down. Right. Especially they also have four other kids. So it's a big household and you've got a lot going on and adding another baby is beautiful and exciting and so, so amazing. But then at the same time, like those first couple of weeks, you're just like, I need sleep. I need to not think about what my family's eating tonight. And that's where we're coming alongside them and we're bringing, providing meals for them. And that that's what he's saying here. Like pay attention to the people around you, understand that they're hurting. And if you can, you're not going to be able to fix the problem, right? You're not going to, be able to help them get sleep or help them figure, help the baby figure out how to breastfeed or help mom's milk to come in. Like we can't do all those things, but we can provide a meal, take something off their plate, release a little bit of stress. And I'm telling you as a person on the receiving end of that, it helps so, so, so much. So pay attention to the people around you and what they might need. And then below that, he says, if it, if I see that need I need to take action, so you can't just see the person hurting and be like "Oh, that sucks for you and keep going on about your day like going above and beyond and rising above the noise like we talked about is seeing a need and filling it and that's where we provide love because love is a verb. All right. On page 97 at the bottom, he says when we begin to love with supernatural love or agape our reward becomes that which the world cannot give. So I'm back on page 55 we referenced Luke 6:27 through 36 and that's you know it talks about when we expect no earthly reward our our reward in heaven will be great. So giving without expectation uh, is what he's talking about. We can't expect the world to provide a reward because they're just not going to come through um but Jesus will come through and he will reward us in heaven. On page 101 he says you can pray knowing that our God not only knows what you're going through but went through it as well. And I think this is the bonus of Jesus coming to earth is that we know no matter what we go through he's gone through it. He can be empathetic to us and we talked um last month or the month before about him going and interceding for us on judgment day. He's going to say, yes, this person did this, but I died for that. So this person's sin, you know, on judgment day, we're going to have to stand up there and say, they're going to say, well, you had this sin. And Jesus is going to say, yeah, but I died for that one. I covered that one already. And then you know, God's going to say, well, you did this thing wrong. Jesus is going to say, wait, I covered that one too. So that's where he steps in and he can say, I've been through all those things. I understand what you're going through and I'm, I'm right in it with you. Being empathetic means that you've already walked through something. So you know exactly how that person feels or what it feels like to be in that situation. And I think it's it's just beautiful that Jesus sacrificed himself so that he can know what it feels like to be here and have all the challenges that we have. Um, agape love is definitely challenging and definitely not like the world to have agape love is much higher than i think a lot of our humanness can understand um i find it hard to understand to unconditionally love someone because when someone yells at me or gets upset with me like it's really really hard to go okay love them love them like jesus like it's just not our our go-to right like we want to yell back or we want to say mean things um and that's something we have to complete continuously work on Um, Talk about going out of your comfort zone right <laughs> because we like to sit our, our flesh likes for us to obey it rather than god um but it's so worth it when you get outside of what your humanness and what your flesh wants to do when you're able to reach a little farther and get above the noise and feel you know feel that love for someone else that you know doesn't deserve it but God asks you to so you love them anyway. Um, so worth it. You guys think you like this book? Mm-hmm. It's a good book. Mm-hmm. I like it too it's, it's a it's a nice little gem. It's a, not a well-known book. I know a lot of people are trying to like find it on Libby and those free uh, library apps and it's not there because I don't think it's um, that well known but man it's a good one. All right. You have any prayer requests? Uh, I have one for my sister, Savitina. She's been in the hospital. I hope they found what's wrong with her. She was fainting, right? Yeah. But she had a high heart rate, but that was the only thing. Right. Okay. We're going to pray for Shelly and her headache. Yes. anything else um i guess pray for brooklyn she's she's our strange little cookie of a granddaughter okay she um she wrote a note to her teacher she had last year Mm -hmm. Uh, the note was pretty humorous but um yeah it was actually full of a whole lot of lies as well but uh yeah it's she's a strange little girl So that and the fact that the guardian ad litem is wanting a 45-day continuance because the guardian ad litem has never been able to go down to meet with Crystal yet. Mm -hmm. So so I think they're just trying to tell the guardian ad litem the court date needs to stay and the girls are just fine where they're at. Yeah. So. And then Brooklyn just needs to get into counseling. Mm, Sounds like it. All right, anything else? Okay, let's pray. Okay, Lord, thank you so much for this time that we get to gather together and fellowship together. God, I just love reading your word and reading these books um, that direct us toward your word, God. And we just want to grow in our walk with you and continue to bless others because we receive your agape love, God. And we want to pour that out into other people. Um, Lord, please help Servitina. Serve I know I said her name wrong. <laughs> um, she's been having fainting spells. God, just help them to figure out what's going on and um, have, you know, find a fix for it so that she can stop fainting. Dear God, we just ask that Shelly's headache go away. Lord, just put your hedge of protection and healing over her, God. Just help that the headache to s- subside so that she can get some rest. Lord, we pray for Brooklyn as well. God, just give her guidance. Help her to find a good counselor that can give her the, the, um, the guidance that she needs to be truthful and get the, the guidance that she needs. God, um, we love you so much. And again, we just ask that you come around us this week and help us to show love to others, even though they don't deserve it. Or, you know, just help us to step out of our comfort zones, and to know that we're walking in your path, God. It's all in your name. We pray. Amen. 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 All right. Amen. Chapters eight through ten next week. Only three eight. chapters eight. this time. Um. Yeah. And I already scheduled the Zoom link to be posted on Tuesday morning, so I don't forget. <laughs> it didn't go out okay. till like six forty tonight. So I apologize. That's okay. Um, been a busy day my little man turned eight today and i'm so excited for him he's just over the moon it's it's his day and mm-hmm. um oh sasha turned eight today too i forgot they were birthday buddies so eight, yes. happy, happy birthday, birthday to sasha. Mother, sasha. <laughs> we love her um i think she's the proud parent of a teenager now she said so mm. <laughs> that's exciting um i'm nervous to get there in a few years but anyway we'll, we'll make it <laughs> all right guys love you so much we'll see you next week mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the BCS podcast. If you would like to chat with us, please join our community on Facebook, Book Club Sisterhood. And you can find us on Instagram as Book Club Sisterhood as well. We can't wait to hang out with you again next week. Let's grow.